There's only one player in this postseason that is perfect. I think you know who it is. We'll talk about that. And ESPN's Cassidy Hubberth. She was in the building for game two. Caught up with her on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. Podcast is brought to you by Vivint, the nation's number one smart home service provider. They're teaming up with the Utah Jazz during the playoffs. For every Jazz assist, Vivint will send one kid to STEM summer camp. Together, we can match the success on the court with success in the classroom. Nominate a kid in your area at vivint.com STEM and follow Vivint on social media to see who wins. Got 148 assists through game two of the Western Conference semis. It's pretty good. Pretty good. But there's one thing that's perfect. How do you like that transition? It's Donovan Mitchell. 6-0 in the playoffs. In every game he's played, the Jazz have won. McMahon had the stat. ESPN. LeBron and Kobe, they also started 6-0. And the only people in NBA playoff history to average more points than what Donovan's doing right now. He's at 32 points per game, 48% from the field, 42% from three, 88% from the line. Everything that the Clippers throw at him, he's beating. Game one, he has the 45. Game two, he has 37. He has been exactly what you thought he was in the postseason. This isn't a bubble fluke. He is this type of player in the playoffs so far. And this is where you make those separations in the young players that you would want on your team. Donovan scores 10 points in the first four minutes. And you just tell what they're doing, the looks that they're giving him are not messing with the mood that he's in, where he is attacking the rim. He can get to his mid-range shots. What I've been impressed by, Donovan splitting as they're blitzing at him on the pick and roll he goes right down the middle to the rim. The acrobatic finishes, and while he's not dunking the ball, those layups are just as exciting as the ones that come with the hammer. I don't know what you do if you're the Clips, because he did it against Kawhi when he was on him. And I'm at the same spot where L.A. was in their series against the Mavericks. They're down 2-0, and I'm saying, what, what are you doing, Ty Lue? Why are these adjustments not coming right now? Why are you playing lineups that haven't played together? You're still, it seems, looking for a rotation that works. But that Dallas series gave me a high opinion of him. Changed things around, and I'm sure there's going to be a clipper adjustment once they get back to Staples. The zone was a nice wrinkle. It was something that put the Jazz in a funk, brought L.A. back into the game, Everything was going well for Utah to the point that they're up by 21, but then they go to the zone, 22 possessions, Jazz score on five of them. Those numbers according to Synergy, and they shoot in the teens when they're going against it. I don't think that Lou goes to it the way that Carlisle did in the first round where they're playing tons of possessions of zone, but it's a good wrinkle to have. Donovan still found ways to get through it, and that's what's scary if you're Looking at it from a Clipper point of view, he's scoring against Kawhi, and Leonard isn't having the same type of series that he hit, did in the first round where he's shooting 60% from the field and also giving trouble to the best player on the other team. This has been a great series for Royce O'Neal, and that's what you needed to have as the one who's going to have 
defensive pressure on his shoulders, Royce is answered. And Boyan Bogdanovich, someone who's flown under the radar this postseason, has been consistently good and has provided scoring that the Jazz have needed. He had that big three when L.A. climbed all the way back. Then he ties up Kawhi defensively, the jump ball. I was talking to someone who was lamenting, why didn't the Nets get this boy on Bogdanovich when they drafted him? Well, it's because he found the right fit, good match of player and scheme. He has been fantastic this series, and him getting defensively stops, that's just a cherry on top because this team has so many options. It was always going to be about the depth of it. Going into the series, the thought was, in the aggregate, over all the players on the floor, Jazz have the better team. Clippers may have the better player, but the Jazz have the better team. Well, through two games, Jazz have the better team and the better player. Frankly, Donovan Mitchell might be the best player in this postseason with the way that he's doing things. I'm surprised that the Clips haven't done more against Donovan. They've tried different things. I guess it's because they went seven with Dallas, clearly fatigued in game one. In game two, the big adjustment was that starting lineup where they go big with Zubats, and immediately it just doesn't work. Donovan's going to the hole. He hits a three to get his confidence early. If you're forecasting for the next couple games, I'm going to anticipate Kawhi getting the task and seeing if he could be the best two-way player on the planet. Good luck, because Donovan Mitchell is playing at a level where we know from the bubble. No bubble flukes. And he's playing good defense at times on Paul George. George hasn't had an amazing series. It's all been high volume, lots of shots. The score lines look fine if you're just going box score, but the way that they're getting their points has not been easy. Jazz fans should feel confident doing this without Mike Conley. Once you bring Mike Conley back into the fold, that's another person who, when the Clips do their switch stuff, where they're switching everything, Conley can take advantage of those situations, more so than what they're doing right now. But the big problem would be, how would the Jazz be able to attack a switching defense? Well, they handled it so far, and defensively. I think this, this leads into the other piece of news that happened this week, Rudy Gobert being the Defensive Player of the Year, they've played well defensively to start this series. And it's because of Rudy Gobert. Three-time, over four years, he's in the likes of the great defenders, Akeem, Dikembe Mutombo. There are moments where I guess you get used to this type of play, where Rudy is scaring guys away from the rim. I think back to last year's Dallas Mavericks game in January where I don't think I've ever seen a better Rudy performance. He ends the game on that block on DeLon Wright. Seeing those crazy defensive performances have maybe gotten old hat. I don't know. We see him every single night. That block to seal game one on Marcus Morris Sr., he can defend on the perimeter. He can defend inside. And over 71 games this year, Rudy Gobert was the best defensive player in the NBA. I don't know where it ranks historically. I'm sorry. I'm just 27. I never saw Bill Russell. But for now, the greatest defensive player on the planet, Rudy Gobert. And I hope you caught his interview with SVP last night. 
because it was real and it was spectacular. You guys knocked down 23s. That's obviously not your game, but how many guys on your team, Rudy, would you say you have complete belief and trust in to fire a three at any time in any situation? Pretty much anyone except myself. You know, we have, uh, <laughs> we, and I could shoot a few, but I'm saving that for later. But I understand. Uh, we, 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 we beat a team that we know we really wanted to surround me and Donovan with shooting because we think that, you know, when we're about to put so much pressure on the rim, the defense has to make decisions. And, you know, teams are trying to take away the rim, taking away my role, taking away my, my rebounds, and guys are just getting wide open. And when we move the ball like that, you know, it's uh, it's not easy to guard. Cool. Good for Rudy. Not wanting to launch a three. But I think he deserves one as a treat. He can have one as a little little treat for himself. Try one. That's as good of a mood as the Jazz are in. They played seven games of the playoffs. In the six wins, they've made at least 17 threes. Continuing what they did in the regular season. These aren't the Hawks. They're not a fluke. They're closer to the Spurs. What Windhorse said on this very podcast... They are closer to the Spurs in the way that they play, their ball movement, the apex of those team units, as Zach Lowe said on his podcast recently. They're good things. Good things for the Jazz. We'll be back with more next week. Loading up on the guests. Do while you're listening to this podcast. Check out Ingles Insight. Fascinating discussion with Rabbi Zippel, Utah Rabbi on Twitter, and also... The Riffcast, new podcast that we're doing for the playoffs. Every single game gets a preview and a recap. If you stick around late enough after the Cassidy interview, maybe I'll throw it in. Maybe you'll hear The Riffcast on this podcast, but go find it. Just search The Riffcast, T-H-E-R-I-F-F-C-A-S-T, The Riffcast. You'll hear from the players, more post-game sound, Every single great quote that they have, check it out there. As always, though, let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Help us grow this thing. And help others find Riffcast. It's a fun new project. Alema Harrington's involved. If you get sick of me, Alema in your life. We all need a little Alema in our lives. As it stands, Cassie Hubbard, ESPN. She gives good perspective on everybody on this team. Uh, the chess match that we've got with Quinn Snyder and Ty Lue, and Jordan Clarkson doing some good in the community. As a food truck was vandalized, Jordan Clarkson stepping in, helping them refurbish that, and standing up for his community. There's a reason why every time Jordan Clarkson is in a jazz article, we get hits from the Philippines. He has such a connection to that community, and he cares about that community. So, Cassie Hubbard talks about that, shares some light on it, and good playoff discussion about this series. Please enjoy Cassie Hubbard. I, I saw you talk to him about that. Um, he was a little thrown off, but you know, he like he, he owned up to it, like everybody did. Um, I think the problem is, is that people, like, once they started watching it, it's like, why? Why am I still watching episode five of this? <laughs> it's not getting better, but yet here I am. And he made up for it by making the suggestion: watch Ted Lasso. You got the bad uh, with Tiger King, wait, and you, then the have good. Have you seen it? 
I have not. I haven't yet. Come on. I know. I agree. Doing? Watch yeah. and play off basketball is what we're doing, but it's a fast show. Get it in in the morning. It's like a spoonful of sugar. I'm telling you, that show has so much heart. It's seriously one of the best shows that I've seen um, in the last few years. I compare it to Schitt's Creek. Um, okay. You know, but a sports version of it. Just like, just a little show with so much heart. Oh, like all the characters are amazing. Um, you got to see it. This is not a hashtag ad, um, but Ted Lasso, if you, if you want it to be, um, my bank account's open. I know I'm behind the times when Quinn Snyder references Ted Lasso in a press conference, and I haven't seen the show. He's seen it before me. What are you doing? Let's go. And he's grinding tape alongside of it, right? <laughs> he's, he's looking at film of this series, and he, he even has seen Ted Lasso. I'm behind the times. Even as a soccer fan, I should be watching Ted Lasso. So admonish me own me on twitter you can at me jp underscore chunga do it uh, as you're listening to this podcast and learning about this series as a jazz take on the clippers we're talking to you ahead of game two this will come out after that but going in as somebody that is now reporting on site when you're preparing for this series what stands out between the jazz and the clippers oh there's a lot of places that you know you just have my um production meeting this morning with Doris and Mark Jones who I'm on the call with. And we were talking about, you know, different ways where we can go. Um, obviously there's a lot of focus on, on Kawhi and Donovan um, and just, just, just the growth uh, of Donovan's leadership and obviously his game. I found it very interesting after game one, how, you know, he's, he's priding himself on just being on working on controlling the game and in talking to a lot of people around him, you know, just his leap has been just a recognition of, oh, you know, I just kind of needed the experience and I have that now, um, especially going up against the Grizzlies in the first round. It was kind of like, okay, you know, that's, that was me a couple of years ago, like my first experience in the playoffs, like hardships, but I'm here now. I, I had those experiences. So, you know, I, I've lost in the playoffs, but I feel ready now. And you kind of, you kind of get that confidence, um, that, that, that air to him, that he's, he really is in control, but even though he's in control, he's still seeking out advice and mentorship. You can tell he's a perfectionist. Like after game one, he was just picking himself apart when most people would look at that performance and be like, that's one of the better performances, um, in these playoffs so far. So, uh, you know, he's, he, you know, he's so young, but he's so, he has such a good head on his shoulders and, and a great leader. Um, and really, I think with Dwayne Wade and the leadership group, um, it's coming at such a great time for him to have someone who, that he can look to, who is not only, um, you know, someone who he considers to be a close friend, but, and a mentor, but someone he can actually talk to who has been through uh, everything that Donovan's probably been through and more. And even though he's um, older than, than Donovan, he, he kind of feels like a contemporary given how present D Wade still is in pop culture um, and, and, and present within the league. So just that being able to have someone to relate to and then, and Quinn Snyder saying that, you know, it's kind of an agreement, like he's has full trust in whatever D Wade is instructing him to do. There's this, this, this nice um, 
you know, just trust among those three. And I just think it's, a, it's coming at such an interesting time in Donovan's career where he's not quite at his peak um, or prime, but to have someone like that guiding him um, and have this kind of trust in the organization to help him grow. It's, it's, I'm really, really interested to see just where the ceiling is for this kid. And it's such a good match between those two. Donovan's game always gets compared yeah. to Dwayne Wade and what he did and how he approached things. It sounded like Dwayne Wade in that press conference where he's picking himself apart, how analytical those type yes. of guys are when you're at that level. I was so surprised that in a 45-point effort where in the second half he is controlling the game, scoring 32 He's still saying, nah, I could have had more. I could have more assists in the first half as I was trying to get other people mm -hmm. involved in the game. I was so surprised by that. Yeah, I was taken aback by it too. Just, you know, but he's, he's, he's humble, which is great. Um, he's cerebral, which I think is a big part of his game. You know, he, uh, and that's what he said. Like he, at halftime, he, not that he didn't flip a switch. I mean, he talked about him not feeling well, um, in the first half or before the game, nauseous, and, you know, just lightheaded, but um, him being able to kind of understand that and then channel his energy to, to just step it up a little bit. Um, I think it's just a, it's a sign of great things to come for, for, you know, a leader of, of this jazz team. And then, and then you got Rudy Gobert. So back to your story, to your question about the, the different storylines, um, obviously Rudy coming off his third, um, you know, defensive player of the year. I also had a really nice conversation with Jordan Clarkson this morning. Um, we obviously talked about the, what he did for um, the Filipino food truck that was uh, vandalized in, in Utah and um, being a Filipino American myself, it was, you know, really emotional conversation, just talking about, you know, anti-Asian hate and um, just how powerful his voice is and what he did um, for that family and what it represents. And he said a big part of the reason why he wanted to do it, not only for um, the Asian community is because, you know, he had family members who, um, you know, worked in, worked in service and worked out of their truck. And he, you know, knows what, what it means to kind of have your way of living, way of making a living, um, taken away or, you know, what that means to, to really have something that, uh, helps you live your life. And then for it to be vandalized like that, he, you know, kind of hit home for him. So we talked about that, but, but I also wanted to talk about just his growth this year and, you know, why, why Utah has been such a great fit for him. And, you know, he, he admitted that like early on in his career, you know, he may have not been taken as seriously and, um, or he wasn't taking the game as seriously because they were losing, whether it be in Cleveland or even in LA and here, like just kind of getting the recognition for six man um, really made him feel, uh, you know, accepted in this league. And that confidence has um, snowballed and he, you know, he's in a really good place with this organization. So um, there's a lot that, you know, I'll, I'll talk about on the broadcast tonight with, with um, Jordan and, and Rudy and obviously Don. And so there's a, there's a lot there. A um, lo lot of great storylines with this jazz team. Well, and Jordan Clarkson has been such a good ambassador for this community and in, in being Filipino in 
taking that with so much pride as a player on their national team and just talk to him for five seconds and you get that he's the good vibe tribe for a reason. He could get along with anyone. And mm. a quirky personality. Love that JC one year comes in completely untatted and then the next year he is covered in ink and he looks great in it. It's it's the Jordan Clarkson experience has been fun and him getting mm -hmm. six man has been uh, on top of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think um, he definitely is one of the good guys and uh, it's, it's good to see, you know, this, this team get awarded. I know a lot of people are disappointed. Quinn Snyder didn't coach of the year. I think it would, the coach of the year race was really, um, was really tight. Uh, I voted Tibbs um, and Monty. And then I, I'm sure jazz fans aren't going to be happy about this, but I voted then doc rivers, but um, you know, I honestly think Quinn could have been at any one of those three spots um, as well. So I think those between those four was a really tough race, but well, honestly, we just, we're just having this conversation this morning, me, Doris and, uh, and Mark and our producers just about Quinn may be, you know, one of the best, if not the best coach in the league right now um, with him and Eric Spolster, when it comes to, uh, X's and O's on just uh, execution uh, of his game plan and um, how he's brought you know, un and understanding his personnel. Um, so he's he's uh, he's a special he's a special leader for sure. This is a good series for coaches. Ty Lu is yeah. no scrub in his own right. I mean, absolutely not. I was surprised game one that he doesn't go with Kawhi on Luka in the series that they had before and then he deploys him the next couple of games they go small eventually as Dallas goes big and he pushes all the right buttons he's bringing that small li lineup into this round against the Jazz these two coaches going up against each other it's going to be a, an adjustment filled series and we're only two games into it yeah and that's that's exactly it like with Ty, I mean, you saw that he went 11 deep into his rotation um, game one. You know, a lot of that had to do with fatigue and wanting to spread out some minutes. But uh, also it's about him saying that he wanted to see, you know, what some of those guys could contribute. Um, and, you know, some some coaches don't have that quote unquote guts. They kind of just set a game plan and, and stick to it. Um, I think Ty is someone who shows that he's, he, he's, uh, he's learning at, from every game and every day. Um, and that may make some people, um, you know, uh, like nervous because they don't know exactly what he's going to do. Mad Hatter type style, but, um, you know, he is someone who studies the game. He was talking about how, you know, his best friend is Chauncey Billups, who's on his coaching staff. Obviously, he's getting a lot of recognition across the league right now. Um, but I and I, I'm close with Chauncey. I worked on NBA Tonight with him back in the day and a couple other things when he was in, in broadcast. And, you know, he was telling me about him and Ty Lue and a couple of the other guys. They they spent quarantine together last year um, at Chauncey's house, just drawing up plays. I mean, they live and breathe um basketball and uh this is this is this is he loves he loves the puzzle of it all so you're right it's going to be a really really interesting um chess match between quinn snyder and and ty Lu. and ty Lu, you know he's 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 already been battle tested so far in these playoffs with with a chess match against one of arguably one of the greatest coaches um yeah. in the game in rick carlisle so uh you know it's uh I think that is a probably under the radar storyline that, you know, people may not be talking about as much, but is certainly something you should pay attention to.
how are you approaching a in-between-the-quarters question-off with Quinn Snyder? Oh, he's a fantastic interview. Like, he can go on and on and on. So, like, you know, I could just say, what are your thoughts on that third quarter? And he'll give me a great answer. Like, there's certain coaches I'm not worried about. Um, Okay. You know, like, sometimes you got to – sometimes you, like – just how I said, know your personnel. Like I, you gotta know your personnel. Like I, you know, I don't have to, I, sometimes I just need to get out of the way and just let, let him, uh, let him give his thoughts on, on the game. And after the third quarter, there's, there's a lot to kind of digest. So, um, I'm not worried about Quinn Snyder. Why should I be worried about him? Like I, his full name is Quinn. He likes to be addressed by Quinn. I don't, I'm not going to say his name wrong. Right. Is that, is that what you're getting at? <laughs> No, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. But now that you brought it up, geez, uh, I, I'm glad that you, you took it the way that you did because you do understand that they are very intense in that moment. You know, you're down. That that sucks for them. And and sometimes they might be a little gruff and, and it ends up being okay in the end as, as it did with, with you. Oh, yeah. Just like Quinn, like I don't worry about uh, Michael Malone either. Like Michael and Quinn, probably are two of the best coaches in actually giving thoughtful responses um, to media. Like as much as coaching basketball is part of their job, like, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand doing media is part of their job too. And um, as far as like coaches who actually treat that role with respect, um, you know, Quinn and Michael uh, definitely are the top, uh, you know, in the top five coaches that I can think of in the top of my head. I wasn't even trying to get to the Michael thing. I was trying to get a round ball roundup into your questions to Quinn, just a oh. little slip in for the, for the audience who was listening. I, I wanted yes. to see if you, if we could get a Ted Lasso quote, maybe, or even, <laughs> even round ball roundup. Um, I, yeah, you, you got some, some, some suggestions. What do you want me to ask him tonight? Round ball at some point, say round ball. You got to tell me, what are you, what are you referring to? Is that what you he know, says a lot? It's not something that he says a lot, but it would be uh, for the audience where all we, our ears will perk up. Oh my goodness. Ah, I got Round ball. Yeah. Okay. So you want me to put a, you know, put a little, just a. Slip one past the goalie. See, okay. see if, if he notices anything about it and, and uh, get it in that question. We'll see. We'll see. You know, my family's been getting, trying to get me to give shout outs to them on yeah. national television for, for years. So well, I don't know for the round ball roundup, if we're going to, we're going to get that before I say hi to my, my, uh, my dad and, and mom, but maybe, maybe I'll get you some free press. Maybe they, ha- they definitely are more important than just, uh, the podcast on utahjazz.com. That's, and I, I'm okay with that. Your family takes priority over us. Uh, how is it now that you're going into NBA arenas and reporting inside these raucous crowds? Um, I mean, it's been gradual, you know, um, at first, at the start of this year, I, it was, it was odd being in empty arenas, but I kind of, uh, it wasn't jarring given that I was in the bubble for six weeks and that experience, there wasn't a lot of fans there. So I was kind of used to like a quiet, um, after the music stops blaring. Um, and then with fans entering, it's been, you know, at first, especially when I wasn't, uh, vaccinated, I was nervous. Um, you know, if you follow me on my social, like you would see, I'm, I, I was very, um, COVID conscious. Like I, you know, traveling, I wore a 
face shield, double mask, like all of it. Um, very nervous about, uh, you know, contracting COVID. I, I live in New York City, so I spent um, many months hearing ambulances uh, blaring constantly and uh, cheering at seven o'clock for our healthcare workers during the height of the pandemic um, in New York City. So, um, you know, it's been quite a, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to feel like things are getting back to normal, but, um, you know, I in no way um, blame some people for having a hard transition to get back to normal and, and, and feeling a, a need to wear their masks, um, even if they're vaccinated and uh, just be careful, you know, still in crowded spaces because look, not, the whole country isn't vaccinated and people are still contracting COVID. So it's just about being smart and, um, you know, being conscientious of uh, our neighbors. So as far as like now having crowds back, I think, you know, being covering where it really kind of hit me was, um, you know, when I did the Atlanta um, Nick series, I was in Atlanta and um, that crowd was super loud. And, you know, I think I had a moment where like, like the music was blaring and the, it, the, it was a couple minutes before tip off. And I just was like, I took a deep, deep breath and I'm like, wow, like we're back. You know, this is like this, this, I, I remember this feeling. So, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm excited to see what, uh, the environment is like. It sounded insane in game one on TV and, you know, it's so interesting. You know, the Viv is like, it's, it's kind of like a, this is no disrespect, but it's kind of like a college arena. Everyone's on top of each other. Yeah. So, um, like I'm interested to see uh, how how that's going to feel tonight. Let's make sure that your mic is boosted because that crowd that crowd can drown you <laughs> yeah. out. I know. I heard that actually. My girl Rebecca heard one of her reports got drowned out. So I need to. Yeah, I got to make sure that I'm speaking into the mic. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll be able to hear her. If you won't, it's only because the crowd is super loud. It is Casty Hubberth, ESPN NBA reporter joining us on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Cassidy, thank you so much. You are welcome. Round Ball Roundup. I'll, get, I'll work that in, okay? I'll work it in. Just, Just put the check in the mail. One Roundup? Oh, how's, how's, how are things rounding how up for you? How round up uh, what the first three? No, that, that that's not right English. We'll figure Donovan it out. Donovan has been using the round ball effectively yeah. and go. has five assists in the third quarter. What do you like about his playmaking? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You got a couple hours. I got a couple hours it. to kind of think about it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'm J.P. Chunga, and this is the RiffCast on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network for Friday, June 11th. What hasn't he shown yet? In the bubble, his playoff performances were up there with Jordan and AI. This postseason, he joined LeBron and Kobe. Right side Donovan, guarded by Paul George, breaks the 45, gets to the cup, lays it in. Or outlet to Royce. Here's Donovan, pick and roll. They force him to his left. He rises and fires for three, and he's still hot. Oh, he has not cooled off in the last 48 hours.
According to ESPN Stats and Info, Donovan's 32.7 points per game while winning the first six games trail only those two Lakers. In this one, he scored 10 points in the first four minutes. Powered by Mitchell's 37, Utah grabbed a 2-0 series lead with a 117-111 win. His shot selection, his shot profile, he's picked his spots. He's, he's taking shots that are open, whether that be pulling up and hitting the mid-range or getting to the rim, you know, or shooting it off a catch-and-shoot three, shooting it off the dribble. And, you know, our, our guys know who he is, and he knows who he is. And I think the biggest thing that, that Donovan's done, frankly, is just compete. I completely trust my teammates. You know, they trust me to do what I do. So um, it was no surprise to see them go out there, get stopped, score, and then to get us up 10. You know, Joe stepped up big time. Uh, like you said, Boyan uh, stepped up his defense. Royce has been a dog this whole series. We, we all know Rudy, you know, having 20 boards, but like the biggest thing is, man, we could do it collectively. John coming back, it's, you see his performances, you see uh, his shooting percentages, what, what plays he's making on the court. Uh, we asking him to defend as well with, uh, you know, Mike being out. Uh, he's just stepping up in a big way. He's being a real superstar, MVP caliber player, all NBA guy. So, you know, that's, that's his job and, you know, that's what he does. Donovan had 27 in the first half. He cooled off once the Clippers went to his own defense. Utah shot just 30% against the adjustment, according to Second Spectrum data. LA even led by two with six minutes left. It was the role players who closed out the Clips. Kicks to Batum, misses. Bogdanovich, quick three the other way. Yes! Huge place. Ingles, wide open. Right side, three. Tickles the twine. They left Joe Ingles wide open. We get better at things as... As kind of time goes on and at the start of the zone, we weren't very, very good. I think we got a bit stagnant in it and kind of looking at Donovan to, to make a play um, each time. And as the, the quarter went on, um, or the time of, of the zone went on, we figured out some things. I think JC and Boyan hit a couple of big shots to just kind of hold that lead a little bit. I mean, now that we kind of know they they did that, um, there's probably a, a good chance they'll do it again. Um, so we'll, we'll be be ready for it. For me, you look at the way Joe came out uh, in the fourth, uh, Bullion, JC, um, like I don't feel like I have to go up there, walk it up, do everything, you know, and there are times where I will have to do that. You know, that's just part of my job. But, um, you know, for me, it's it's great to have a group of guys that trust you and you trust and you just go out there and play and have fun. And obviously it's the playoffs and this is a high intensity uh, series. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm playing the game I love uh, with guys that I, that I, I really, love and enjoy being around. So it makes, like I said, makes the, the journey fun. Uh, ups and downs is gonna keep happening, but we, we enjoy it, I enjoy it. The beauty of our team is that we've got a lot of guys that can handle the ball and, and make plays and, and obviously make shots and, and stuff like that. So reading the situation, reading the play, mismatches or, or the, the matchups we, we want to try and find and then and then being aggressive at, at the point of it. I'm, I'm proud of our team, the way we played. Um, we know we're playing against the team. They were down 0-2 in their last series and, and came back and won it. So, you know, we don't get too high, don't get too low, and um, keep trying to play, in the, play the way that, that we know we have to play and adjust where we need to. But um, I think our guys are together, and we're not going to be perfect. We didn't get any offensive rebounds tonight. We turned it over more. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of things we can do better, but... Like I said, I, I thought we were resilient tonight um, and, and we were mentally tough. The Jazz finished on a 14-2 run. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles combined for 43. Find out if the Jazz can go up 3-0. 
The series moves to L.A. Saturday, 6.30 Mountain on ABC and the Zone Sports Network. This podcast is brought to you by Vivint, the nation's number one smart home service provider. They're teaming up with the Utah Jazz during the playoffs. For every Jazz assist, Vivint will send one kid to STEM summer camp. Together, we can match the success on the court with success in the classroom. Nominate a kid in your area at vivid.com slash STEM and follow Vivint on social media to see who wins. I'm J.P. Chunga, and this has been the RiffCast on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network for Friday, June 11th.